Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with New York City musician and artist Molly Skoos. She opened up about her new 2023 CD called Everybody by the Sixth Street All-Stars. We also covered her life and music. She graduated from the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music, where she studied vocal jazz performance and was recognized for her vocal prowess by Downbeat Magazine's Student Music Awards. While living in New York City in the 90s, Molly paid her dues gigging three to five nights a week in downtown clubs like the Village Gate, the Knitting Factory, Smalls, and many others. She has given concerts on her own compositions throughout the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic regions with grant support from Meet the Composer and Brooklyn Arts Council. She's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. There we go. Look at that. <laughs> What's going on? Everything. How are you? Everything's good. Hey, I just started watching that Wayne Shorter special the other day. So many people have been talking about it. Man, whoever orchestrated the art and the way yes. that, that thing was animated is crazy. I agree with you. Man. Uh, it really kind of just created an atmosphere around an inscrutable man, right? Yeah. Yes, I, it was beautiful. You know, he, he's one of those guys covering jazz that I realize the power of him, but sometimes I need mm-hmm. these documentaries to really get to like the landscape of how influential they are because like his early work to me was just so foundational like miles and he really kind of oh, went yeah. the same trajectory i mean he really went electronic and went kind of avant later on yeah you know the real i'm with you those early compositions just um yeah they're in stone they are the foundation for so much yeah yeah and i didn't realize that he had that nickname quick fingers was it no i didn't i didn't the, catch that yeah in the beginning they were oh, like oh yes yes yeah, right. all of them would be like, you're quickie or something like that, quick fingers uh-huh. or something like Yeah, so I had no idea. But hey, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute Good out to today. meet you too. <laughs> so I want to begin our conversation here with, you know, COVID did its thing to the jazz community. Mm-hmm. How did you survive it and how did it change you? I think the way it changed us all is yet to, yet to be known. Yeah, true. I mean, these things have a big, long-lasting effect. But in the, you know, when it hit, I just focused in on the people closest to me. I live in a collective household. And um, at the time, the boys I lived with were 10 and 12. And so I kind of took on their homeschooling and making sure they had a schedule and good activities and warm food. And, you know, that was a real good sense of purpose for about a year. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then it started to be fatigue. And, and that's about when my writing partner, I decided to make this recording. And so I split my time then between kind of caregiving and doing the musical direction, getting ready to get the band in the studio, um, finishing up compositions, dusting off some old ones and giving them new life. And yeah. And right. so it was okay. It was okay to be home and have that time. It was actually, it comes out with something at the end that um, makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. So let's talk about everybody. Sixth street, all stars. Talk yeah. to me about this recording. Okay. Well, um, the songwriting is uh, mostly with Dana Hinchliffe, my good friend and early collaborator. We've known each other now for 30 years, 30 plus years. Um, and I took our sketches of tunes, some tunes more actualized than others, and fleshed them out for a larger group with three horns and a rhythm section with Latin percussion. Um, and we're featuring six singers on the, on the, on the disc. And um, it's really social music. It's, it's meant to be joyful and 
yeah, and it's out in the world, and that's, I guess, what we were going for. You know, the one thing that struck me when I saw the cover, because I get so many CDs every day, <laughs> every week, I should say, um, is I think about the montage of good times when it started and all those Marvin Gaye oh. paintings. Oh, you know yeah. What I'm saying? We're always just automatically painted to mood. And I mean, Marvin was already wonderful, but if you add the paintings to it, it feels, mm. I feel the movement and the flow with the cover of this album. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. You yeah. know, that's like necessity is a mother invention kind of a situation. So hard to get that big group of people all in one room. So, um, yeah, I took their images and and a lot of um, other papers and scissors and glue and made something that yeah. I that I also feel like it kind of captures the the vibe of everybody together. Yeah, for you sure. You know, coming come as you are. Mm-hmm. Let's have a good time. Absolutely. Well, speaking of a good time, how did this journey into the music begin for you? How did the, where were you born and raised and how did this begin? Yeah. Yeah, I was born and raised in Rochester, New York, which is northwestern New York State. And um, I was always a creative person and, you know, enjoyed making art in many visual mediums. And uh, early on, I was interested in theater and um, I began writing poetry in middle school and and I didn't really have a lot of exposure to music as a very young person. It just wasn't part of our household. My parents were always super supportive of all artistic endeavors. It just wasn't something that was focused on. There's no one in my family that participates in music besides me. Uh, but when I got to high school, I always liked singing, of course, as in school. Um, and when I got to high school, I joined a jazz choir. And from the arrangements of the you know, the choir arrangements for jazz choir, I got to check out some vocalese on horn solos, which were really eye-opening. And it, it led me to to pursue the original recordings. And from there, it was just a tidal wave. Took me over completely. And it's really been my focus since then. I um, used to take my babysitting money and go to this little record used record shop in Rochester called The Bop Shop. Yeah. I don't know if it still exists. But I would bring home, you know, all the greats. I mostly listened to horn players, I think, early on. And uh, and then when I graduated high school, I went to the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music in New York. And boy, did I get an incredible exposure to so many greats. Um, yeah. So what was the first live jazz show you saw that blew you away? Okay. Well... Because I was a teenager, when I first discovered jazz, I really relied on recordings. But those recordings blew my mind, and it was like a mind-blown state of being from there forward. I, like, I really um, just saw and, and found meaning in all forms of art in a new kind of way, having just had that opening. Um, but when I got to New York, I took my meal plan money and went to all the jazz clubs. I... Uh, one of the first and most memorable ones was I got to see Sarah Vaughn at the Blue Note sitting oh. in the front row, really like sitting in her lap. Yeah. Um, that was amazing. And I saw McCoy Tyner at Sweetwater and oh. Shirley Horn at Fat Tuesdays. And, oh, I, one of my favorite trios, Joe Lovano, Bill Frizzell, Paul Motion at the Vanguard. Amazing. Um, I got to see the Ford Apache band, Jerry Gonzalez, one of my favorites and a big influence. Um, I, I've been super lucky. Yeah. Got to see them all. Yeah. So what is it that you like the best about being involved with jazz in this community and being in music? 
I think the thing that appeals most to me about jazz is the immediacy. Um, you kind of have to surrender all the constructs to get to the heart of it. Um, it is always forward slanting and like moving towards evolution and stretching the human potential. It's the ultimate example of a growth mindset. And that's really both humbling and inspiring all at once. You know, jazz, hey, just look at your backdrop. Jazz is life. Yeah. You've got the city and all the people and above it, uh, the horn tones are, are the air we breathe. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think that I'm not alone when, in, in, as a person who, for whom jazz has just meant so much and continues to be the, the motivating force and kind of spirit of, yeah. of life. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned some pretty heavy names. If you could get into a time machine and go see anybody live that you never got the chance mm-hmm. to see, who would you love to have seen? Um, well, I, I think having just watched the Wayne Shorter thing, I really want to check out that show that, that they describe in, in the documentary where the band has decided to try to push the edge. Yeah. It's like, you know, miles second quintet in the mid 60s yeah so i go down maybe milton's or wherever they were playing and check that out and then run downtown to village gate and um try and get a little bit of a taste of the beginnings of free jazz with coltrane and eric dolphy yeah yeah that might but if i have the jazz delorean maybe i'll go visit the 22nd century and hear what jazz sounds like on mars that's it. That's the thing too. You know, you uh-huh. could go anywhere. I think that that show was the plug nickel and I don't think Miles oh, knew it? it. I thought it was and I don't think Miles knew what was going on, but uh-huh. now that I think about it cuz I've heard that recording before, they were pretty all over the place. I mean, it was mm-hmm. hardcore, you know. So, yeah, um, that would be amazing to be in the room for that. Yeah. What about modern mm-hmm. players? Who's out there now that you haven't seen live that you would love to catch live? You know, I feel as though I haven't seen much as much music as I used to. Certainly, it's just by virtue of having more responsibilities and, um, you know, being out of New York a little bit. But um, I, oh, geez, who would I want to hear? Well, I always love and look for an opportunity to hear um, Maria Schneider's big band. Yeah. I just, you know, it's in recent years, it's been the focus of my kind of study or I've been working on um, understanding better harmony and arranging. And so that's something that's really appealing to me. And I always find her compositions um, really get to the heart of kind of a deeper sense of emotion. Um, So I love to hear her, but I have heard her live and I would take any opportunity to do it. Um, Who else? I mean, I think about the people I went to school with who I haven't heard live in a long time, like Brad Meldow or Chris Potter, and I would love to check them out. Yeah. just hear where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the one thing that always pulled me in in the beginning with jazz was the album covers were so iconic. Uh-huh. And there were so many good ones. What, what's a couple of your favorite covers that you've always remembered that struck a chord with you? Hmm. I mean, the first one that comes to mind, not only the cover, but I had some kind of um, limited edition Billie Holiday and the, the vinyl itself was an image. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's the iconic head back with the gardenia. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that really, it just, it's, it's emblazoned in all of our minds. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I love it. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, in my mind's eye, as I think about your question, I'm seeing more of a, 
overarching style of like the blocky letters with yep. color blocking and, you know, mm-hmm. very slick looking black and white photos. Yeah. It's a vibe. It's, it's a vibe. So let's say you come to Kansas City and yeah. you perform a live show and you have to sell it. How would you describe your live show? How would you sell it and get people in Kansas City to come to the show? You know, starting to think about promoting the disc that, you know, everybody, Six Street All-Stars, I've really had an opportunity to be more in touch with and appreciate people like you who um, who love the music and who act as a conduit between the artist and the audience. And um, so I would rely on you. I would rely on you to help. But, you know, when <laughs> you would. spend your time and talent to make something and put it out in the world, you just really hope that the music is axiomatic and that if people can hear it, the rest will follow. Um, it's, it's intimidating and it's intimidating to try and have to be a salesperson for your heart and soul. Yeah. It is. So will you do that for me, please? Yes, Joe? I certainly will. I so, Thank which, you. which leads me to this question. What are the plans of promoting live shows? Anything mm-hmm. coming up for you? Yeah. Ooh, that could be the entree to a long conversation about the economics of jazz and how yeah. hard it is. Um, with a larger band like this, um, the playing opportunities are scarce. And, you know, we really worked with the people who we admire most and who are very busy and in demand and who deserve to be well paid. Um, so, you know, there it's possible that the, the CD could do well or the recording could do well and, and, open up some avenues for live performance and that would be amazing. Um, but this particular project in our minds has been more of a recording project um, just because of the economics of the situation. Yeah. Um, so the thought is to put it into people's ears through the recording and, and be open to whatever possibilities can come from that. Right on. So Six Street All-Stars, everybody, the new album, where's the best place to get it? Learn more about you and the band. Where can they go? Well, we've got a website, SixStreetAllStars.com, and Bandcamp is a great um, place for if you want to purchase music. We have a limited number of discs, and then, of course, we're streaming on all the, all the outlets. Right on. Hey, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Molly, for taking time out. Best of luck with everything. No, it's all my pleasure, and thank you so much for the work you do. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Chess interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and composers in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Molly for her time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.